Well, open your Bibles this morning to Psalms chapter 4, okay? And uh, yeah, I like Christmas time, and so I, um, you know, um, I don't know my, my uh, uh, favorite thing about Christmas. Um, I like it all. I like, I like the food. Anybody else? I like, I like, I like the food thing. Um, I like that, you know, people dress up and they get their nice and black and red and stuff going on and people dress up real nice. That always, that's always good. Um, um, I like, um, I like the cold weather when it gets cold, but up here we don't know if it's going to be 74 or 24 on Christmas day. Um, and then of course, uh, the, the, the gifts, I think the gifts are pretty good. What do y'all think? Yeah. And I like giving gifts. How about y'all? Man, y'all got to get waking up here. I got, I'm trying to get you somewhere here, okay? Y'all wake up a little bit. But, you know, it's all beautiful. I love, but I love the decorations. I love, I love everything about Christmas. But, the, of course, the main thing is, is this like we've been singing this morning. It's just about the birth of Christ, you know? And, and when we think about that, you know, as Rachel said, and, and I think that was so good, and I love little Arya, and she's, she can process information at her young age of four, and it just really just blows my mind away how she processes stuff. But... But, you know, um, Jesus came to this earth, and, and it's, it's what we call in the theological, you know, um, you know, field is we call it the kenosis. And the kenosis is a Latin term for self-emptying. And so when, when Christ comes as that baby, you know, it's, it's not just a baby. It's that, it's that God, you know, uh, incarnated himself as a human being, as a baby, flesh, and stripped himself of everything so that he could live a life that was perfect and then to, to live that sacrificial death to take our place for everyone that lived before that time and anyone who had lived during that time, anyone that lived that, lived that past that time. And that's what Christmas is. And so my favorite part about Christmas is we get to celebrate that time that Jesus come, that first advent, um, as, as that baby, uh, as a child, and to grow and to give his place and to take our place for us. Everybody say amen. All right, so, you know, one thing that we should all have is, is peace. You know, last week was about joy, and uh, this week should be, we want to talk about peace, and that we should have a peace in our hearts that, that passeth all understanding, and that's what Christ can give to each and every one of us. And so I want to open, you to, open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 4, and here is a good text about, about what it means to have peace. Now, uh, anyone here um, ever struggle in their minds and, and um, sometimes you can't go to sleep at night and just things really seem to bother you? Uh, maybe, maybe something that someone has said, maybe something th- that someone's done about you or to you, or maybe there's just some problems in your life that are so heavy that it's your mind just races and, and, you, and inside of your body you just, you just struggle. Anybody here this morning like that? Come on, raise your hands if that's ever been you. Yeah, and so, you know, God wants just the opposite for us. Everybody say amen. You know, we serve such an amazing God that we can have a peace that passeth all understanding. In other words, there can be the most worst thing that happens in our lives, no matter what you can think of it might be, but the worst thing can happen. But beyond those circumstances, God is saying that because of Jesus Christ, because of our relationship with him, because of the power of God and because of who we are in him, that we can have a peace. That while the tr- while the world is in trouble and while our lives may be in trouble, but inside of our souls that we can have a peace. Look with me at Psalms chapter four, and this is um, again we're going to look at some New Testament verses too. But I want you to see Psalms chapter four, 
And this is what Christ brings us. And, um, and Psalms chapter 4. And um, so um, do we know for sure what struggle David is going through here? Not, not really, but, but most would think once again, like a lot of these Psalms are, it's during the time that, um, that um, uh, the people of Israel had made Absalom the king. And, of course, David was out and he was running for his life. They were trying to kill him. Now, everybody look at me and listen to me. David, um, the will of God was for David to be the king, not his son Absalom. Okay, I want us to get that. Because, because you see, the one important ingredient to have is that we're in the will of God to have peace. All right? If you're not in God's will, then, then it's going to be hard to have peace that passeth all understanding. If you're outside of God's will, you're not going to have it. So we've got to understand that this is a directive point for, for David, that, that David, it was God's will, that David, he was the anointed king, not Absalom, and David knew that. Even though the people um, came up against David, some leaders, and cast him out and brought and brought. Absalom in and then of course got hundreds and thousands and thousands of people against David and then he had to run away you know in that exiled time and hide because they were trying to kill him but notice what it says in verse 1 here's what David says he says answer me when I call O God of my righteousness so David knew that that he didn't matter that it was that that he was righteous only because of who God is and what his relationship was with God. Everybody say amen to that. And then he says, "You have relieved me," or the King James says, and I like I like that translation. It says it says enlarged me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless or vanity and aim to deception? And then notice this word, Selah. We'll talk about that in a minute. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Verse 4, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine bound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. All right, listen up. Here's David. He's running for his life. Um, They made Absalom king. I mean, not just some people in authority have come against David, but they have, but they have um, convinced thousands and thousands and thousands of others that David's bad and that he needs to go and that Absalom should be the king. And so here's David, and he's out running for his life, and he can go to bed at night, and he can have peace. The Bible says that he can put his head down and go to sleep in no fear and no trembling, no distress because of who God is in his life. Now, I know if you're like me, you've lost, who's lost, you know, nights of sleep? Raise your hand. Yeah, and when distress comes and things happen, but listen, church, there is a place that we can have a peace, a peace that passeth all understanding. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. It says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. And as we shall see, again, David was going through some tough times. 
Uh, life was unfair. People were being unfair to him. Even his own family was being unfair to him. Life was unfair to him. It was disappointing to him. But through this time, he had a peaceful heart. Now, this word peace, this word peace is important because it's a Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word is shalom. Now, we've watched plenty of television, and we've heard these Jews, and we hear when they greet each other, they say what? They say shalom. When they, when they, when they, when they say goodbye to somebody, what do they say? They say shalom. Now, for us, what we do is when we, when we meet somebody or greet somebody, we say, hey, how are you doing? Well, what, right, right, you know, or up here, up here in Texas, we say, how y'all doing? But, but if you're a Jew, I'm going to make a point here. Um, um, what, what they use as a greeting, and what they're saying is, is they're saying, how you doing? But they're saying, is everything at peace with you? Or, or peace be with you, or peace with you, that I hope peace, that's, that's how they greet each other, and they greet, and when they depart each other, they say the same thing, shalom, may peace be with you. Why, why was that a custom? Why, why would the Jews use that as a greeting and a farewell? Why is this shalom? Why is this peace? Why is it so important? Because here's why, guys, is because the Jews knew that where their peace would come from was from God. And they wanted everyone to enjoy that. And so when they would greet each other, when they would say farewell to each other, it would be about peace. Hey, listen, Cornerstone, we can have peace. Every day of our lives, we can have peace. We can go through whatever we go through, but we ourselves, we can have peace because we know God. Just like the Jews, they knew God and they could have peace and they knew it and they wanted that to be shared with each other. Look, no matter what happens, we can have peace, peace. Now, as we look at this text... Um, when we look at David and, and he spoke of laying down in peace and you know he obviously wasn't speaking of a greeting or a farewell but he was speaking of a condition of his heart so how can we have the peace like David well I want us to look at this text and then we'll make three short points at the end of these verses here so first of all look at verse 1 and let's, let's, uh, let's exegesis some of this scripture here. Look at verse 1. David, David prays this. He says, hear me or, or answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Look at it. You have relieved or enlarged me in my distress. Be gracious to me, or that means to have mercy upon me, and hear my prayer. And so David is speaking of a time when he found himself in trouble and in, and in great affliction. And that word distress is a lot of times also translated advert, adversary, ad, adversary, excuse me. And David is speaking of distress that had been brought in his life by the attitudes and the actions of others. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says, O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is vanity or worthless and aim at deception? And then he uses that word salah. Now, the word salah is, is, is what that is. It's a musical term, and it means rests. It means rest. And so, so, when, you would, so when you get sheet music and, and you come across that symbol that means salah, what you do is you take a pause. And so what David is wanting these people to see, he's pausing. He wants them to reflect upon what he just said. And he wants us to reflect on what he just said. 
So he is asking them to carefully think about three things. Look at number one. First, he says, they had turned his glory into reproach. In other words, they had caused the people to turn against David and make Absalom the king. But it was God who had appointed David as king. But the people had been led astray and made Absalom king instead. So he wanted them to pause and to think about what they had done. And number two, secondly, David speaks of how the people love vanity or that emptiness. That word vanity speaks of that which is worthless or empty. And what the people wanted and loved and were following was empty and worthless. Listen, because it wasn't God's will. We're going to make some application here, but everybody, y'all get that? Because, you see, I think a lot of times what we do is we worry about stuff that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's worthless. It's empty. And then number three, David speaks of how the people seeked after deception. And the word speaks of that which is untrue. You know, the people wanted to, wanted to take part of David not being the king and Absalom being the king. People were hearing to other people saying bad things about David. You get it? So in short, David is talking about the distress that had been brought into his life because others had led many of the people astray and God's divine purpose and will had been perverted. And that is why he asked these leaders, look at it, he says, O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? And that is why he asked those who had been led astray. He says, how long will you love vanity and seek after deception? You know, I've seen people get upset about all different kinds of things. You know that? I've seen people get upset about all kinds of things. A word is spoken over here, and something happens over here, and that thing happens over there. And you know what people do sometimes is they go get on the phone or they go to someone else, and they take whatever deception is there and deceive others. Now, we're just, we're not, this is not about the sermon. This is just a point because, because David's dealing with these type people. You know, you, you know what happens is this, is a lot of times things happen and someone gets their feelings hurt or someone sees something that they would do differently. And so what they do is they'll call somebody on the telephone or they'll go to somebody and they'll say, did you, did you, did you see what happened here and there or whatever? And what they'll do is try to get that other person to see it from their point of view, to get them on their side, to get them as mad as what they were. Now, we're just saying this because this is what's going on in the text here. You know, David was supposed to be king. Absalom wanted to be, wanted to be king. And so they concocted this plan. And so David, is, is, as a result, is receiving all these things from other people. And, and the truth is that sometimes those same, kind of thing, those same kind of things happens in our own family sometimes and even in our own churches, that, that we go to other people to get them on our side against what God's will is supposed to be. Do you see it? And it never should be that way because, again, that's not God, that's not, that is not God's will. That's not what his agenda is for us. Now, what people fail to realize is what David understood, and their behavior showed their rejection of God's will. And that's why David added this salai at the end of his words. And he was saying, you need to stop and think about what you are doing. All right? 
So because all it did was turn his glory, he says, into what? Into reproach or to shame. And you know who receives the shame and the reproach? God does. All right. So look at verse 6. And you will notice, first of all, in verse 1 that he testifies. He says, you have relieved or enlarged me in my distress. So here's David, and he's telling God that he's going through all these things. And again, we're talking about having a peace that passeth all understanding, and that can only come from a real relationship with God because he's our true righteousness. But listen, folks, what he's saying is is he's saying that that you have taken me out of this small place of distress. Because that's what, that's what distress ultimately is, is that when we're distressed in life, you know, here in, God, in God's grace and his mercy and his strength and his power, I mean, we can live and we can move around and we can be free. But what, what David is saying is, is because of the distress that's in his life, it's, it's you know, it, you, you get boxed in and you can't move and there's nothing there. But he's saying, only you, God, and he's praying to God, he's saying that you have relieved me of that and you have enlarged me because that's what God does when we put our faith in him when we when we know that he's our righteousness and when we act righteous as our God is then listen what happens is is we're set free from that bondage everybody say amen I mean look are you in distress this morning is there some things happen in your life that you're not content with are, are, are there people that are calling you distress well look you're not going to get it done by fighting them in flesh and blood you're, you're not you're not going to be relieved and enlarged in be set free from those things when you react to them the same way that they act to you but the way that we get through the way that we get enlarged the way that we become free from these things is through God and his power and his strength because it's his will that matters and nothing else right and, and that's what David, that's what David is saying here is nothing nothing else matters it just matters that 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 it's that it's in his relationship with God and if he's in God's will then nothing else matters and he can go to bed at nighttime and he can lay his head down and he can have a peace that passeth all understanding wow isn't that where you want to be guys and 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 that's what Christ does for us you know he he come to this world and he he died for our sins that we could have listen everlasting life and one of those gifts that he gives us is peace Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says that he's the wonderful counselor he's the prince he brings us peace but I think what happens is is that um, we get more like the world than we do like the children of God and we don't have peace in our lives because somehow we make ourselves the victims and we just stay in this little box that distress brings and causes us and we get content with it. Do you understand? We, we go to bed at night and we, we, we sleep for 30 minutes. Because of all the world's pressures, we have to wake up and worry about things. We worry about our children. We worry about this thing and that thing. We worry about this person and that person and what's happening and what's going on. That's not peace. That's not what God came and died for, everybody. So David felt God's presence, and he knew he had that peace. He knew he had peace. He turned to the Lord in his distressful time, and he prays, Hear me, O God, of my righteousness. Have grace or mercy upon me, and hear my prayer. You know, I know some of you are thinking right now, 
how is that possible? You know, you say, you know, I try that, but it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> you just got to keep trying it until you get it right. Everybody? When you start trusting God more, then the problems in your life. David's very much aware that he doesn't deserve anything from God, and that's why he asked for God's mercy, right? I love the way he addresses the Lord. Lord, Notice this. He addresses his prayer. Notice it. He says, to the God of my righteousness. You see it? Even though he knew that he had no righteousness of his own, I mean, because remember King David... I mean, he counted the men. He was a bloody man. I mean, remember the thing with Bathsheba. He knew that he wasn't a righteous man on his own, but he had been made righteous in God. Hey, listen, maybe you're here this morning and you think that you don't deserve to have a peace like what David had, but neither did David. Neither does any of us. <laughs> but because, because it's grace, because it's mercy, and it's because it's something that, 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 that we don't deserve, God still give it, gives, gives it to us. It's still ours for the taking. Everybody say amen. I mean, David knew that in himself he wasn't, but that's why he says the God of my righteousness, because in God he was righteous, not because of his deeds. And because of his relationship to God, he knew that God cared about him, and therefore he cried out to God for help. God lifted him from that narrow place of sadness, and he pits him to that large place of what? Gladness. Outwardly, everything was bleak, but inwardly, he was full of joy. I mean, I look at my wife sometimes, and you know, I, I, I know the pressures on her at times, but then she's got that gladness, and she's got that joy, and, and she gets that because of what she, her relationship with God is. Amen? Now, notice verse 7 again. He says, uh, You have put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine abound, or that word abound means increased. And so he makes mention of the harvest time, which was always celebrated with festivity and joy. And it was always a time of great demonstrations of joy by these Jewish people. However, the gladness he felt in his heart exceeded such joyful occasions. And so what David is saying here is this. He's saying, he's saying God, because you're righteous and because I'm in a relationship with you and I'm righteous and it doesn't matter what anybody else does because you're an ultimate con- in, in, ultimately in control and you're the God who turns everything on and off. He's saying because of that, even though this is happening, I can have this joy and this gladness in my life. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It matters what you're doing in my life and who you are. And, and, and so he, he recalls that during the time when they had the harvest and when, the, when, the, when there's a lot of grain and when the wine is all in, they get the wine made and they have the big parties and there's all this joy and gladness and everybody are excited. He's saying that this is better than that. <laughs> Do you get it? And that's what he's saying. That's how he's feeling. Even though this is going on the outside because of who God is on the inside of him, he has that kind of gladness. He has that kind of joy. And look at verse 8. He says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Can you believe that? He had found a peace that enabled him to be free from everything and anything that normally would disturb a person. 
The Apostle Paul described it this way. He says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. You see, it is a peace that transcends all understanding. And one can be sailing in troubled waters, yet be calm. One can be going through a dark time, yet not be filled with fear or worry. And this was what David was experiencing in his dark hour. He could lie down at night and sleep like a baby because of the peace that he found, because the mercy that he knew God provided, because of the will of God that he knew that was his. And the question is, is how can we have such a peace? How can we know that, how can we have such a peace? So let me give you three things this morning, just real quick, and you're going to be done. Three things. How can I know that, how can I know that I can have peace? Well, do these three things and know these three things. You ready? Number one, don't let your situation distract you. Look, number one. How can, you be, how can you have a peaceful life? How can you have that gladness? And how can you know these things? And how can you know the mercy and the grace of God? How can God put that gladness in you? How can that abound in your life? How can he take you from this, from this tight place to this enlarged place? How can he do that? Number one is we have to do something. Number one is that we don't let our situation distract us. In verse 4, look at it. He says, he says, he says something in verse 4. Look at it. He says, tremble and do not sin. Hey, you know the Bible says, and I've said this before, when, when trouble comes your way, don't, don't react to trouble in the way trouble found you. Don't sin. Everybody? Because if we sin, I mean, it's going to make it more distressful. It's, it's going to get tighter in your life. It's how we respond to those times. But verse 4, he says... He says, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. You know what we're supposed to do? Is we're supposed to stand in awe at God. When situations come, don't, don't get distracted by the situations. In, instead, step back and meditate in your heart about the awesomeness of God. Remember that he made a donkey talk. Remember that he, that he created this world in six days. Remember that he sent his son to this earth to live a perfect life and to die for our sins. And that one day after this short lifetime, we're going to get to go to heaven. What God is saying is, is that he's saying, he's saying, if you'll fear him and have respect for him, all this other junk ain't going to have anything to do in your life because you're standing in awe of God and of what he can do. So don't let your situation distract you from the awesomeness and the greatness and the mercy and the power and the authority of God. Number one, don't be distracted by what's going on around us, right? If you want to have a peaceful heart, if you want to have that peace, uh, don't let the situation distract you. Someone talks about you, just, just, just stand in awe of God. You don't have to get on the same level of them until go talk about them. Just stand in the awesomeness of God. Fear him more than you fear those other things, right? You can't fear both. You got to fear God having awe of him. You know, the Bible says in, in, uh, in Proverbs, it says, let me get my mind wrapped around it. It says, uh, answer not a fool according to their folly unless you become like them. You know what that verse is saying? Um, if, if you answer somebody in the way that they're treating you the same way, then you're going to be a fool. 
The very next verse says, um, answer a fool in their foolishness unless they become wise in them themselves. So some people will interpret that verse like, okay, um, so darned if I do and darned if I don't, right? You know, if I answer them, you know, I become a fool. If I, if I answer them, you know, if I don't answer them, then they become wise. It's not what God is saying. He's saying that it matters what you say. Thus saith the Lord. Do we get it? You know, so, so fear God. Be in awe of him. Don't let the situation distract you. And, and, you know, it's not just people, congregation. Sometimes situations um, cause us to be in distress and that we don't have peace. But I want you to know that there's no situation that, 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 that God doesn't know about that we go through. And we just got to take a step back in awe and say, you know, God, you knew about this. God, you, you knew that, that my marriage would be in trouble. You, you didn't want it, but God, you knew it. But God, you know, you, you, we're going to stand back in awe and we're going to fear you, right? Everybody say amen. Because God can do anything and everything, you know? Um, whatever it may be, we just got to stand back and don't let the situation distract us and we got to find ourselves in the will of God. Number two is that um, don't let your situation defile you. You know, it's easy to let what others do cause you to react in a negative way. We've already talked about that. But instead, notice here in these verses that that David tells us to make sure that we keep our hearts clean. He says, don't sin. Don't let your heart become filled with anger and bitterness and have a revengeful attitude. A heart like that is filled with anger and will not be filled with peace. So don't let your situation defile you. Be above the situation. And then thirdly, don't let your situation defeat you. Look at verse 5. He says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. You know, David tells us that no matter what others are doing or what others are saying, you keep on serving God and trusting him. Don't let your situation cause you to quit serving God. Don't let your situation defeat you. Don't don't let it defeat you. And you honor God no matter what is happening in your life. Trust God that he will take great care of you. Amen? So look at a couple of verses here with me real quick. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Now it's Christmas time, and the one thing that we always, you know, talk about is, is that Jesus being, being, being our prince, the prince of peace, right? And um, so as we talk about peace this morning, you know, we, we could see that David had a peace because because he knew where his righteousness came from. Well, you know, um, um, our righteousness comes from God. And, and, and we live in an age of grace because of what God did for us through Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah is prophesizing um, here, and he's talking about what the days look like before the coming of Christ, our Messiah. And if we start in verse 2, it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And again, he's talking about that advent of God coming. 
And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And ye shall multiply the nation. Ye shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot and the booted warrior in the battle, t- battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. And here it is in verse 6. And it's talking about the birth of Christ. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. You know, um, if you don't have peace in your life, then maybe the reason is, is because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, the truth is, is that all of us walk around in this world, and um, maybe it's, it's not a peace about our relationships with other people. Maybe it's not a, about a peace about, about the situations that we come into, but maybe you're just not at peace with God this morning. And if you're not, maybe it's because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we want you to know this morning that if that's you, if you don't have peace, that Jesus Christ has come to make that peace. And God tells us that all we have to do is that when God speaks to our hearts, that we repent from our sins and we call upon him to be Lord, Savior, and Master of all. And when we do that, that we'll have a peace, as Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, that'll pass all understanding in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning, and um, we do thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we're... Um, continuing to, 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 to come close to that time of the year that when we just celebrate what we call Christmas, Lord, that we remember that, um, that for us, that one of the greatest gifts that you give to us um, is a peace, a peace um, that we can have in our hearts, that, that um, you being our Savior, and when we um, accepting your grace and, and, and admitting that you're God and, and we repent of our sins, that, Lord, that we can have this peace um, that we know that no matter what, that we're, we're, we have eternity with you and that you're our God and that hell will never be um, something that, that we have to endure because, because of the grace and the mercy that you gave to us. And, Father, we have that peace because you're of authority and you're omniscient and you're, you, you, Lord, can do anything. And, Lord, you have set us apart for a life that's set unto good. And so, Lord, this morning I just pray that all of us this morning could all say that we know you as our personal Savior. And, Lord, I, I pray that if there's one here that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, that you'll call him this morning and that, Lord, that they could have that eternal peace, that peace that passeth that understanding. And, Lord, for the rest of us this, this morning, I pray that we'll just take some application from our lives as Christians, that uh, we don't have to allow um, um, our adversary, the devil, or this world system, or, or, Lord, that any situation that happens in this life, or any person, Lord, that it, that it squeezes our spirits and squeezes our souls into this small, dark, depressed state. 
that, that we know that in you that there's grace and there's mercy and Lord that we can that we can be enlarged and that we can sleep at night and Lord that we can have smiles on our faces because of the peace that you give to us Lord I pray if there's any here that just is going through some some times of trials or tribulation that Lord that they'll come to your throne of grace and despite what's happening Lord that there can be a gladness in their life because of the peace that they have through you we love you and we give you praise of course in Jesus name we pray all these things amen stand with us this morning